Welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, where we are here every time to warn the nation and help you to respond in faith. We want to make a difference. We don't want to be immobilized. We want to be salt and light in a powerful way. And again, this time uh, on this podcast, we are with the founder and executive director of Christian Union, Matt Bennett. Welcome, Matt. Hi, thanks, Dave. Great to be here with you again. And for those that didn't make it on the last uh, podcast or two, just give us a brief uh, summary of your ministry. Well, our focus in Christian Union is Christian leadership development for national revival and reformation. We focus most of our work with students at a very influential secular universities that are very academically intensive. And this includes Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, as well as Cornell, Brown, let's see, um, Pennsylvania, Dartmouth. Uh, so many leaders of our nation come out of these schools. We also work among adults in New York City. And then also through Christian Union Day and Night, we minister via the web to thousands of Americans, encouraging people to develop as leaders and seeking God through fasting and prayer and repentance. Awesome. Perfect for our topic today. Uh, and so, Matt, you uh, not only have studied revival and have a heart for it, but you experienced a taste of this, I would say a significant taste of it in 1995 at Princeton University, one of the Ivy League schools that you just listed off. And then I experienced uh, a taste of this. Maybe we should call it more than a taste because it really changed us in our ministries. But I, I experienced this in 1995 while directing a campus ministry at the University of Wisconsin. So Matt, to kind of get us primed here as we're going to talk today about is America moving more toward revival or more towards judgment, uh, just share with us, uh, I don't know, a highlight or, or a bit of a summary of what you actually saw with your own eyes at Princeton University during 1995 and onward. Well, uh, thanks. Yeah, I uh, did see what I consider to be a revival by the Lord's grace and uh, helped gave leadership to it, both in the late 90s, a little later than 95, uh, but then also again in 2009. And uh, I'll share a little bit from the 2009 experience, uh, which lasted a number of years. We saw uh, involvement in the ministry there uh, really rapidly in increased, almost 10% of the student body. We saw the number of decisions for Christ to go from about two or three per year, which on um, and one of these universities is, is normal for a ministry. Sometimes you'll go as, and have zero decisions for Christ in a year, but went from two or three to year till to 10 per year the first year when the Lord was really working, and then 20 the next year, and then 30 the next year in one year. Uh, so it was really incredible and remarkable. And of course, lots of radical lordship decisions, miraculous things, students having visions and dreams and all sorts of things and different parts of the university impacted sports teams and singing groups and student government in different ways. And so both ways, both these ways were about uh, 10 years apart and lasted for a few years. And it's what happens when the Lord pours out his spirit. It's a whole different ballgame and what we long for and seek. Right, so uh, perfect transition into this topic today. It's great to be with somebody that just doesn't know about it or study it, but has actually flown the airplane, so to speak, before really been uh, a co-pilot with the Lord on this. It's, it is amazing. And I do want to 
back up just a tad and, and define this a bit for everybody because people sometimes they think of revival and they think of revival and it's like a set plan weekly or nightly meetings at a church or something like that or or under a tent and I think what you and I are talking about here is a spontaneous move of the Holy Spirit it's not confined to our church calendars or other things. It's really where God moves in and his manifest presence and all kinds of things happen. Would you add anything to that definition of revival? Yeah, it's uh, a word that's used infrequently in the Bible. And so people use the word legitimately in different ways. In Christian Union, we have our definition of revival, a shared definition. So as we talk among ourselves, we know what we're talking about and the way we think about it, define it, is that uh, it's seeing a, uh, the proof or the evidence of revival. It's an outpouring of the Spirit in response by God's grace, in response to Christians seeking Him wholeheartedly. And the fruit of that is a multiplicative increase in three spheres. The personal sphere, which includes salvations and healings and deliverances, holiness, all these wonderful things. Secondly, the territorial sphere and the geography changes in some ways, the spiritual geography. And then thirdly, the cultural sphere. And you can think about uh, some talk about the seven mountains or different organizations talk and categorize society in different ways. And so uh, both um, the 1990s revival and the 2009 revival, both of which lasted three to five years, um, met that definition uh, with. And now since that time, we've seen God do wonderful things. People come to faith in Christ every year and stuff, but not at that level in that way. So oh, also uh, in our definition of revival, in addition to the multiplicative increase in those three spheres, we also uh, would expect that there would be periodic manifestations in group settings of the uh, being absolutely obvious that the Holy Spirit had been poured out uh, as uh, we gather from time to time. Matt, what do you what do you think on this topic? I, I would say we probably had the best revival history of any nation in the world. It's been absolutely incredible what God has done. It's been up and down in American history in terms of uh, spirituality and people's love for the Lord. And other nations have learned from America. They studied our history and applied it in their own nations and to wonderful effect. I think of uh, David Cho, leader of the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea, and studying the businessmen's revival and, uh, in 1857-58 and thinking, well, if they prayed that vigorously and a million people came to faith in the United States in a year, then what would happen if we continue to pray this way? Well, he's got his answer. His, his church has maybe 800,000 members or something. So um, we got to know that ourselves and our own history and, and know the scriptures so that we can seek the Lord for him to do incredible and wonderful things. And these each of these moves... They don't come randomly. They come as God responds to us seeking him diligently. And so uh, as we uh, humble ourselves, we repent of our sins, we fast and pray. And so I don't see them as spontaneous. I see them as uh, God being responsive to us. He gives a lot of promises in his um, scriptures, such as draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so when we meet those conditions and we do draw near to him as he requires and expects, then he draws near to us in wonderful and incredible ways. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the state of the American church at this time. And the church in the U.S. has been declining for decades. And we see the Southern Baptists are having their convention here next week. And they lost 
I think in 2019, over 200,000 members, and then 2020, over 400,000 members. And they're the largest Protestant denomination, biggest group of Christians outside the Catholic Church. So there's not an indication of uh, Christians returning to the Lord and then the Lord responding and outpouring of the Spirit. There's always people coming to faith in the U.S. There's always good things happening in pockets in different ways because the Lord hasn't completely left us. But I think part of our problem for decades in the United States has not been willing to face the reality of the decline and addressing the fact that we as a nation, Christians I'm talking about, don't seek him as he expects us and requires us to. And we substitute substituted a, a very meager, almost fake spirituality. When you look at the terrain out there um, in America, are you hopeful for this awakening or revival slash awakening? Uh, hope is in the Lord. The hope is that the Lord will stir us up and that we will return to him. And you see in the scriptures, there's always hope. The fact that the Lord is slowly removing his presence from the nation, and I think there are a number of indicators that way, means that uh, the Lord feels that there's a good chance that we will come to our senses, that we will awaken, that we will stop being complacent and slumbering, and that we will eagerly turn to him. If that weren't the case, he wouldn't bother bringing the judgment onto us. Uh, so he's merciful in having judgment increase in our nation so that because he himself believes there's a chance we will awaken and turn to him with great energy. But uh, among Christian ministers, among lay Christians, while there are a few exceptions, the vast majority do not uh, humble ourselves and seek him. We do not spend enough time in the scriptures. We do not have devotions morning and evening. We don't take uh, multiple days to seek the Lord as needed. We don't humble ourselves and fast uh, a couple days a week, as, as so many have done in church history, Wednesdays and Fridays, but even longer periods of time. And so our mindset and understanding of what it means to seek the Lord must conform to the scriptures and not simply what seems comfortable for us. But that's where we, that's what we look at. And that's where we go to today. If we can find somebody who seeks the Lord with less energy than we do, then we feel like we're doing great. And that's not sufficient. This is interesting to me in light of uh, the research that George Barna did in just, just May, just a, a little over a month ago. And he, um, he did it in conjunction with the Family Research Council, but specifically what he, his research showed in this survey is that 51% of adults in America uh, call themselves Christians. That's how they, they claim to be a Christian. But as they drilled down on the further questions and data, their worldview was actually not Christian. In fact, in the end, only 6% of adults proved to have a Christian worldview. Uh, you know, and that's, that's stunning. We might still, at some degrees, feel like a Christian nation, but if only 6% of our nation are actually living out biblical values, uh, that would be an, uh, that's alarming uh, to, to us. So, okay, um, a couple of the ways that, that he uh, part and parceled that out in further questioning of the respondents was there's a lot of people believe in reincarnation, uh, didn't, didn't understand Hebrews 9 that says it is appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. 
uh, it also people's understanding of original sin and and Jesus having to die on the cross for us that was also convoluted in many of these adults of the fifty one percent and so in the end again a very low percentage of of Christians that are actually following the scriptures uh, in in these kinds of things and so. You know, I look at this, Matt, and I, I, uh, I birthed Forerunners of America in 2014 out of this sense that America's really in trouble. Now, also, um, there was this simultaneous sense that the Lord could really visit us. In other words, he could move again, and there could be this powerful, this powerful move. It was sort of a, a sense of both can happen. And I look at this as that, that when we have revival or that when we, we want to pray towards that end and, and another great awakening in, in our nation, that it can actually be fueled out of the urgency that we see that God literally, literally can and will judge America. Like To me, these are not at odds. They, they can be synergistic. They can build off of each other. Uh, so many times I hear people, all they want to do is talk about the glorious days ahead of revival and awakening and so forth. And then, and then um, there's another, another group. It's like there's, there's no point in even talking about, about revival because it's all about this judgment that's coming. I really think that the more we understand both, the more that we're going to be inspired to seek the Lord with all of our hearts. The takeaway for me is, is let's get focused on um, seeking him. And you hear a lot of Christians who, and I'm glad that Christians are aware, not all Christians are aware of this, but are aware that we're in trouble and things are bad. Um, and a lot of Christians kind of get engaged with the latest outrage. And can you believe this? And forward messages and this, and this happened. Then, you know, a week later, it's this and that sort of things like, okay, um, it's, it's good that people are acknowledging um, that, but then we've got to take the next step. Um, it's not just noticing that you've got bad cholesterol and you need to do something about it. And you also got bad um, blood pressure. And then you also have bad triglycerides. And then it's like, okay, what, what do we do about it? And where do we go forward? And that's when we say, let's make some radical changes in our lives, especially those who are ministers of the gospel. Let's seek the Lord with great diligence and call others to do the same. Give the reasons why, explain from the scriptures, deal with some false theologies that hold people back in some ways. A lot of people are held back in the false theology, for instance, thinking that we are inherently pleasing to God simply because we're in Christ. But the New Testament makes it plain that uh, there are many times in instances where Christians are not pleasing to him. So therefore, how do we please him? We're commanded to figure out and know what's pleasing to the Lord. So let's do that and return to him and bring him pleasure, bring him joy. Yeah, I really want to uh, drill down on these topics further and get very specific here in our next podcast. Um, but for now, I uh, I want us to unpack a bit um, what, uh, you know, both you and I um, remember hearing uh, uh, just a great revival leader, but he also carried this warning with him, the warning of national judgment, and that was a Christian leader named Richard Owen Roberts. And he made this distinction between uh, corrective judgments, or in other words, remedial judgments, and final judgment. And it's really, uh, uh, it's clearly taught in several places in Scripture, but probably the most important is Amos chapter 4. Amos, a prophet uh, to uh, the nation of Israel, and he 
in chapter 4, he, he, he uh, reveals to us through God speaking through him that, that God had get, sent all kinds of shakings or national shakings difficulties in order to wake the people up and cause them to turn back, back to him. And I'm not going to read the passage, but let me just hit the key areas where God was shaking the nation of Israel. And God himself sent a famine. He sent drought. Uh, he sent, sent plagues. He sent war and other types of catastrophe. All of these, though, simply because God's love for the people, that they would wake up out of their lethargy, seek him again, uh, f- find him again, and move back underneath his lordship. And and this all this stuff is going on. But the people, in the end, they don't choose. They're over generations. They're not choosing. And so... So the, we get to the conclusion, and this is where the distinction is a final judgment. It says, therefore, um, in verse 12, Thus I will say to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God. And that's a warning, a final judgment that is coming to the nation of, of Israel. But God always sends these shakings, these corrective judgments, as Richard Owen Roberts talked about. He always sends them first. You know, and when I look back on America, and even more recently, um, I'm concerned that we have had many corrective judgments, opportunities to turn back to God, but we have not taken them seriously, and therefore we are on this track toward uh, final, final judgment. And, and Matt, do you look at, let's just say, stuff even in the last 20 years or so that you would call God's corrective shakings or judgments? Yeah, I do uh, agree. I think we talked about this in our last podcast that the eternal judgment for which we are spared as Christians uh, is talked about in 1 John 4, and therefore we should have no fear of that. But everything up to that are in, is intended to help us draw closer to God. Now, not every negative thing that comes is necessarily a judgment, um, a judgment and meaning that we are sinning and need to turn back to him. But uh, a lot of times they are, and it's up to us to discern. And so when something negative is happening personally or to a city or to the nation, it's up to us to inquire of God. And as it says in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, I think 32 through 36, is to examine yourselves and to judge yourselves, then you won't have to be judged by God. So that's very uh, needed for us. And that's, of course, was addressed to Christians in the church in Corinth. So in looking back the last number of decades, are there events that that would cause us to think, hey, I think this is God bringing judgment and increasing judgment so that we repent and turn back to him. And I think maybe last time too, I I mentioned Increase Mather in his, his treatise 1702, and uh, describing the same problem in New England at the time, feeling like New England was having the glory of God depart uh, from um, New England. And so we as Christians, as ministers of the gospel, it's our role to look and observe and see. And I think when you see a rapid decline in church membership, which we've been seeing, fewer people coming to faith, many so-called Christians adopting non-Christian views, uh, inconsistent, when you see um, laws being passed in our nation contrary to the will of the living God when before you did have laws that were more um, uh, representative of God's um, desires. When you see things like abortion being legalized in 73 and a million deaths or so per year happening in these ways, I think these are all indications that indeed judgment is increasing. And COVID 
quite possibly was the judgment of God on the United States. It's been very disappointing that so few Christian leaders have addressed that and looked at that and seen. Uh, hearing from prophetic people is part of the way of discerning. You always have to weigh and test what is said and look at a prophetic person's walk with the Lord and track record, but that should be part of equation as well. Um, but as mentioned, uh, it's something we don't even think about, and that's a bad, bad, bad sign. Right. You know, um, in light of what you just said, uh, Alan Parker, who's the uh, founder and director of the Justice Foundation, you can find him at thejusticefoundation.org, he has uh, identified, through the study of the scriptures, identified four areas where he sounds the alarm in America, but could be any nation, of course, but four areas scripturally that once a nation goes into these four behaviors, uh, judgment is not only likely, but probably uh, uh, well, on the, well on the way. Now, of course, we can always repent. We can always humble ourselves. Re, uh, judgment is God's last resort. Uh, I believe that in the final judgment sense of the word. But Alan Parker identified these four areas, and I just want to highlight them. One is forsaking God. And so in America, have we forsaken God? As we look at the, the numbers that you've identified, Matt, um, I, have we done that? It's either to worship other gods or it's not to follow our God, the one true God at all. Secondly, sexual sin and perversion becomes uh, rife throughout the, 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 the country. Uh, third, the shedding of innocent blood. Uh, Matt, you mentioned a moment ago abortion and so forth and these kinds of things. And actually, Alan Parker, this is his main thrust of his ministry, and being an attorney himself has been to give legal counsel in these types of court, court cases related to uh, pro-life issues. And then fourth is greed and materialism. I think this is helpful to have that as a template to look at our nation and all the more the specific areas to repent, the specific areas of what would provoke God to to this judgment. Yeah, yeah, well, there's a lot there. It's uh, I'm very glad he's looking and examining uh, the scriptures to see that's what uh, men and women of God, that's what we're to do. So, I uh, I birthed Forerunners of America out of this sense that there would be a great humbling that would come to America. In other words, there would be judgment that would come to America. And I've also been holding out this hope and calling people to uh, at least a harvest, if not if not fully see the church on fire again. I do want to close us today with this thought, though is that in Amos 4, as we just briefly looked at, it's interesting then as you roll into Amos 5, there's three different times that in that chapter, Amos 5, that God says, seek me that you may live. And now he's specifically calling, talking to the remnant. It's identified in that chapter. Seek me that you may live. And then we don't know of the ripple effects throughout all of culture um, and lost people coming to faith as we seek him to live, that what, and we're in alignment with him. The power and presence of God is on our lives. We are walking in a revived state. We don't know where this could go with these ripple effects throughout culture and various aspects. And so, Matt, you, um, you have uh, put together materials and um, have been a great advocate out speaking and so forth on a seeking God lifestyle. And I, I want to wrap up today 
with that being our next topic, uh, next time we we post a, a Insights podcast, because Matt, you have um, drilled down on this and talked about, okay, what exactly is necessary here and how do we do that? So do you want to say anything to, to set up our next podcast or should we just wrap up for today? Yeah, I think it's essential. I think we often we use the term seeker today. We think of a non-Christian. We think of a seeker service or something like that. But the vast majority of times, I mean, 90% or more, um, when the term is used in the Bible, seeking God, it's referring to Christians, those who are regenerate. And that's the posture and mindset of a true Christian. Um, so that uh, we can talk more about that in the next podcast, but uh, it's needed that we understand that. So we fulfill that command from the Lord. Great. Well, thanks, Matt. And thanks for being with us again uh, today for this podcast. We're looking forward to the next one. And we will find you at ChristianUnion.org as well as dayandnight.org. That's Matt Bennett in his ministry as he's been helping to guide Christian leaders in America on these very topics um, of revival, understanding judgment from the scriptures, and seeking God with all of our hearts. And I, I personally believe, and I think I can even say I know, that this next podcast with Matt is going to be uh, one of the most important podcasts we've ever posted. Thank you for joining us again for Insights.